Up next, the no-forecast edition of Astrological Metaphysical Radio. Good afternoon, Los Angeles and all of Southern California. I'm Farley Malaris, and you're listening to Astrological Metaphysical Radio, the phenomenon of the 80s. On KFOX 93.5 FM, your talk alternative. Hello, Southern California. Welcome to the No Forecast edition of the Astrology Hour. The winner of some of our best general questions today will be invited, actually the winners, will be invited to a private audience here at the studios of KFOX in Redondo Beach to see the Astrology Hour live. So it might be to your best interest to think of a good question concerning astrology, metaphysics, karma, the universe, God concepts, life and death, or whatever. In the meantime, I hope you had a good weekend. I did. I rested most of the weekend after being up all night Friday night and doing a boat trip. <laughs> well, I'm not going to do one of those for a while, I'll tell you. And today's topic is called House Activities. It's an astrology topic. For those of you that are astrology aficionados, you might want to record this topic because it's important. So we take a look at the planets in the houses and some of the karma connected with same. Now, first of all, you need a chart <laughs> to understand today's topic. If you don't have a chart, then you might be in trouble, right? Yeah, you do need to have an astrology chart to understand this topic because you have to be able to find your houses. Now, if you've gotten our astroscopes and if you read the study guide, you'll notice there's a section in the study guide that identifies where the 12 houses are and what they mean. In case you have been lazy and you haven't looked at your study guide, well, let's pull your astroscope out and take a look and see if we can find where the houses are. Funny that an astrology chart pretty much adheres to a normal clock face. I like these big school clocks. Remember these big school clocks with the big bold numbers on them? They're real fun. We have one of those in the studio here that I like to use as an example of the 12 houses and of the chart because I can use the numbers on any clock to identify where the houses are on an astrology chart. So that can be fun. First thing you want to do is number your 12 houses. So grab your pen and let's number them 1 through 12. My better students, my more advanced students and people that study have already done this. And the ones that are behind and have been procrastinating have not. <laughs> so you're the ones that are going to get to work right. Actually, <laughs> uh, what you do is you go to the far left edge of your wheel. First of all, you want to look at your chart like it's a pie. And it's a pie divided into 12 slices. And basically, we talk about two halves of the pie. The lower half, below the horizon, if you draw a straight line and cut your chart right in half, that would go from like 9 o'clock to 3 o'clock. Then you'd get a lower half and an upper half. Lower half houses basically deal with the self, and the upper half houses are basically experiences that have to do with the world, with the planet. So what you do is start in the far left, where you would find the 9, and then numbering counterclockwise, Inside of each little slice of pie, you can number the lower six houses, one through six. Isn't that easy? That's it. One, two, three, four, five, six. Everybody can count. And the upper six houses, starting in the far right, where the three would be on the clock face, and going counterclockwise again, seven, eight, nine, and then you finally got to where the twelve would be on the clock face, which is called the midheaven in astrology, or the cusp of the career house, the cusp of the tenth house. And then the final three houses are 10, 11, and 12. Wasn't that easy? Now, in the body of your astroscope report, your chart report, you are going to find information actually 
paragraphs that are headed with the words, a planet in-house so-and-so. Because we actually let you know, we helped uh, diagram for you the planets in houses. If you notice, if you look down in your chart right now, you've numbered the bottom six houses, one to six, and the top six houses, seven to 12. You'll notice that certain houses have action, activity (laughs) inside of them, which means that planets were located in these houses at your birth. And if you are also a good student of mine, then you will have filled in your abbreviations on the body of your chart and you would have already known what planets they are and what signs they're in in what houses they now belong in. Isn't that easy? It's fun too, isn't it? And at the same time, as you go through the body of your astroscope, like mine says, Sun in house 10 and Moon in house 1, Mercury in house 10. See, we tell you where your planets are by houses and that's what you need to know for this topic. Venus in house 9. Everyone has it different, of course. This is mine. Mars in house 12. Jupiter in house 2. Saturn in house 11. Uranus in house 9. Neptune in house 12. And Pluto in house 10. See, so we go ahead and tell you exactly where your planets are. And that should be able to help you one way or the other. (laughs) Hopefully that will help you. Now, the importance of today's topic, we're going to talk about two things. We're going to, first of all, talk about what it means to have planets in houses. Today's topic is called house activities. If having planets in houses focuses activities in a specific life cycle, like this is a life cycle, this lifetime is called a life cycle, and when you are born with planets in certain houses, it seems that activities during that particular life cycle are focused on those houses where the planets lie. In other words, you can understand more your debts in life, your karma, your focus, your obsessions, your desires, selfish behavior, and personal activities, why you spend so much time in certain areas because of focus, depending on what houses the planets lie. Also, because all houses are important, whether there's planets in there or not, and because all houses do have equal significance, whether there are planets in there or not, because the human being absorbs the vibration from the sign. See, like, Even if there's no planets in the house, we're still getting a vibration from that sector of the galaxy. (laughs) So there's no such thing as a dead house in astrology as far as I can see. So we are also going to talk about effect of planets moving through the houses in the sky. See, there's two kinds of planets in astrology for today's topic. (laughs) Okay, just to put this into context. There's planets at birth that are called the fixed planets in your birth chart or your natal chart or what your astroscope is all about. And then there are the moving or the mobile or the transiting planets in the sky that I basically give in the report every day. The people that will make the best use of the daily news given on KFOX at 12 noon will be people that will be able to identify what houses the planets are placed every day in the news forecast. And that way you'll understand more the current activities as far as how your life is being affected. Now, a couple things that should be noted is hopefully if you are a good student and if you have read the instruction sheet included with every chart, then you now understand somewhat what aspects are. And if you haven't studied this, then you should spend time with this part of the astrology instruction sheet included with every astroscope. If you haven't and you need some help in that area, then you should probably pick up the book Secrets from a Stargazer's Notebook by Debbie Kempton Smith, which will help make all of my shows easier to understand for you. Because Debbie must have been thinking of me when she wrote that book. But anyway, aspects are angular geometrical configurations that exist between planets at any given time, which mean that the planets have a certain vibrational effect to each other. 
Sometimes it's a positive vibration. Sometimes it's somewhat of a stressful or negative vibration. There's actually a free flow that planets go through, and then there's a stress vibration that planets go through. And we call these aspects. And basically, if you have what is called trine or sextal aspects, we find more of a free flow or less tension between planets in your chart. If you have square or opposition aspects, we find less of a free flow and more stress or aggravation going on between planets in our charts. We do find that the more square and opposition aspects that you have to planets at birth or even transiting planets are much more karmic, will reveal obsession, debts, problems, transition, need for rebirth and transformation, or just plain need for change. There's no such thing as a bad aspect in astrology because the stressed aspects in astrology are merely encouraging us to grow, rebirth, and evolve away from situations that may become more stressful if we stay with them. So I kind of like the square and opposition aspects better because they do offer resolution and absolution and transformation, which helps us prevent being into ruts and doldrums and being in pain, forever eternal pain. Usually, the sextal and the trine aspects are fun and powerful and more free-flowing and offer help and luck and sometimes savior aspects that can show from past lives deeds that we have done that can be referred to as dharma, D-H-A-R-M-A, dharmic aspects. Now, as we look at planets and houses, we're going to look at them concerning their aspects, first of all, but also concerning their location in the houses to understand where life's focus may lie. And frankly, we're starting with house one, and hopefully you've already numbered your houses. If you haven't numbered your houses, I'm sorry. You should have listened to the show from the beginning to find out where they are. Now, basically, planets in the first house at birth, natal planets in the first house at birth, what does that mean? Well, the first house is a very heavy house because, first of all, it's the house that is ruled by the rising sign. So this house has everything to do with who you are and what you're trying to do with your life. It's your identity. It's your self. It's your God point. It's your uniqueness. It's your personality. It's how people see you. It's your appearance. It's your childhood. It's part of growing up and basic learning situations. So typically, if you get into a situation where you have planets in the first house at birth, then perhaps there could be a lifelong situation or an activity concerning growth, concerning growing up, concerning the childhood, concerning those childhood influences and those childhood effects, and also concerning your appearance and your identity, and also concerning how people see you, maybe your height or your weight. I have a moon in the first house that is squared by four planets, and it seems like I've carried my childhood around with me everywhere I go, and my appearance and my personality and how people see me and how I come across many times seems to be the issue. If people try to criticize me or my appearance or how I come across, I take it personal because that's where my moon is. So when you have planets in that first house, then there seems to be a karma with that type of activity. See what I mean when I say focus? Now, if you're having a transiting planet or a moving planet go through that first house, then there can also be a focus, a current focus on personality, remembrance of childhood, identity, appearance, height, weight, and how you feel about yourself, overall self-esteem. So that first house is obviously very important. Second of all, if you have planets in the second house, which is the first house is located from between the 9 and the 8 on the clock face, the second house is located from the 8 to the 7 on the clock face. And this is the house of values and self-worth, what is important to the entity. Sometimes what is important can be a problem, an issue, or a karma if you do have planets under stress, meaning squares or oppositions located 
in that second house. So a lot of times love, money, property, feelings, vibrations that you feel, whatever you think your purpose in life is, can have import as far as all second house activities are concerned. So this is a very, very important house. And then once again, notice planets at birth in this house give us a focus of lifelong karma, and planets moving or transiting that house situation could give you a current focus. So whether you are born with planets there or not, if there are planets moving through that second house, and for example, the sun will go into your second house at least once a year for 30 days, and the moon will go into the second house once a month for at least two and a half days. So notice how every house is triggered at least once a month by the moon, at least once a year by the sun, besides what the other planets will do. Okay, isn't this fun? Now also, you know, a lot of times notice that some planets will stay as they move through your houses. They might stay in one house for many years. Like Uranus transit in a house might take seven years. A Neptune or a Pluto transit could take 12 to 16 years. (laughs) So obviously there's a lot going on. You know, for example, if you have a planet going through your health house, like your sixth house, which we'll get to, there could be a lot of focus in that area. The third house is the house of brothers and sisters and also the house of short trips and getting things done, being busy, communication, letters, phone calls, messages, mail, bills, details. It's a Gemini vibration, and whenever you have planets in the third house, many times it asks us if you're up to date (laughs) in the communications in your life. So third house natal planets is a focus on communications, short trips, and brothers and sisters, and mobile planets, like I have Saturn and Uranus and Neptune all in my third house, so God knows I've been busy as a bee for the last few years from all those transits, for sure. Okay, let's take a further look at house activities, because really understanding astrology more than knowing what the planets mean or what the signs mean, you have to know what the houses mean. This is absolutely imperative. So the fourth house, if you have any planets in this house, the fourth house rules the home and security, the mother, the nurturing part of our nature, emotions, sensitivity, the past, also past lives. So whenever there's planets natally at birth in the fourth house, there is a focus many times on these issues, security, residence, emotions, the mother, and past, or past lives. Now also, obviously, when planets hit the fourth house, then these activities are triggered. I like to teach people about houses because this really validates astrology. Because when you follow the planets moving through your houses, boy, And girl, does that really reveal some purpose? All of a sudden, moon hits your fourth house, the rents due or a bill's due to take care of the house situation. If you do get planets moving or transiting, the mobile planets, through any house, this could trigger a karma or a life experience concerning what's going on in that house. So obviously, if you know the house locations of your natal planets and then you are aware of the house locations of the transiting planets, you'll be able to put into excellent perspective what's going on with your life. And it could be a lot of fun for you, right? All right, now, let's take a look at the fifth house. If you have natal planets in the fifth house, which is located right there where the five would be on the clock face from five to four, then this is the house of children, of family, of romance, of creative ability, creative insight, the father. So many times when you do have planets natally in that fifth house, it gives you a creative ability, a leadership quality, a take charge type quality, and also Transiting planets, moving planets to that fifth house will trigger experiences that will also designate family, creative, children, and such. A lot of people have children, or they get pregnant, or they think of having children during those fifth house transits, so that can be a lot of fun. The sixth house is located from where the four to the three would be on the clock face, and natal planets in this house are very analytical. Talk about details. 
whatever details you have to take care of in the third house, you create your own details. You're like a detail master in the sixth house. There is more of a focus on work, ethic, and service, health situations, and karma. Also, worrying, nervousness, and analysis concerned with all of the above. Now, this is also an excellent placement for people as far as hard-working people, people that can get things done, mechanics, surgeons, doctors, accountants, secretaries, typists, and people that work with numbers or figures in their work, mathematicians and scientists and such. And also, if you have planets moving through this house, mobile planets, transiting planets, then a lot of times, of course, all the time, you will have an issue come up in your life concerning work or health maintenance. See how it works? Getting down these house activities is so important in understanding astrology. Trust me, it is very important. you got to believe that. Now we've done the bottom half of the chart, the lower half, which reveals the self, and we'll go to the upper six houses, which are the houses that have to do with other people. And the lower six houses are more self-activities, and the upper six houses are activities with the world. The seventh house, which is located first above the horizon, from where the three would be to the two on a clock face, has to do with relationships to people, period. Just relating to people, getting along with people, forming love contacts outside of the immediate home and family. Forming love contacts are people you would care for or nurture. Bonding, friendships, partnerships, legal matters, negotiation, sales ability, sales of self. So obviously, planets in that seventh house natally would be a focus on relationship activities. And transiting planets, also the seventh house rules marriage too. So planets riding through that seventh house would place a focus on relationships for that current period. Moving on to the eighth house, which is located from the two to the one in the clock face, natal planets in this house create intensity, extremism, more of a closer bonding, intimate relationship going beyond just loving someone, but actually physically bonding with them, more of a psychic intuition connected to people or telepathy, interest in possibly transformation, transition, and rebirth concerning life and death and the universe, occult matters and such. So natal planets in that house would have a focus on those areas, and moving planets or transiting planets in that house would bring a current focus to love and sex and romance and such. The ninth house is located from the 1 to the 12 in the clock face. Natal planets would put a focus on optimism, philosophy, travel, mobility, contact with foreigners, higher education, college, and transiting planets in this house would create a current focus. The 10th house is located from the 12 to the 11. This puts a focus on ambition, practicality, logic, karma, or debts, and, of course, transiting planets to that 10th house would put a current focus to those activities, including career and success modes. All right? The 11th house, which is located between the 11 and the 10 on the clock face, natal planets, birth planets there put a focus on goals, friends, life's destiny, organization, high technology and high science, also matters dealing with family of man, not just current family, okay, humanitarianism, philanthropy and such, and there's a focus on that at birth if you're born with planets in that house, and when planets move through it in your life, there's a current focus. And finally, the 12th house, which is from the 10 to the 9 in the clock face, if you have planets in that house at birth, there would be a focus on sensitivity, on spiritual awareness, on enemies, self-destructive behavior, contact with the dream world and the higher self, contact with spirit guides or spirit entities. And of course, all of you that are having 
transits to that house would put a current focus on all of those activities. So even if you're not born with planets in a particular house, you'll be subject to having a focus on that house sometime during your life. And I hope that explains house activities for you and an excellent show, of course, to have in your library of Astrology Hour shows for Basic Astrology, a show on house activities, both natal and transit, which I know a lot of you needed to hear. Finally, Lonnie has been very patient. So Lonnie's on the air. Hi, Lonnie. Hi. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. I'm new to astrology, but I wanted to ask which houses would affect an issue that I think about a lot, which is inertia. And I have curiosity about what makes you inert about something. It seems like I have a lot of goals and ambitions. I'd like to, you know, write a lot of songs and things like that for myself. But it seems like I just stay still. And I do have the chart here. You mean why you procrastinate, why you don't do things? Right. Do you lack earth? Lack earth? Yeah. Do you not have any earth? Well, I have a very mixed, but I Do, am... do you have any Taurus, Virgo, or Capricorn in your chart? Yes. Okay. Then there's no reason why you should be lazy unless you have Sag in your chart. Do you have some Leo Sag in your chart? No. Okay. Maybe the reason why you're inert about something is because you really don't want to do it. <laughs> do you ever think about that? Yeah. Do you have fear? Are you scared? Um. Are you frightened of something? It seems like too big to do. Uh-huh. Usually I, I see it in... Big. Give me an example, such as? Such as, I really enjoy writing songs, and then when I finish a song, I'm really happy, but I don't want to start it. Mm-hmm. You don't want to start it? What do you mean? I don't want to start... It seems like a big job, because it takes two or three weeks for me sometimes. Well, it doesn't sound like an area you should focus on then. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, if you have certain squares and oppositions to your chart, what year were you born, for example? 62. Mm-hmm. Well, I believe that's Saturn in Aquarius. Is that correct? In the chart? Yeah. Can you see your Saturn? Is oh, it in... um, it's in Aquarius, yes. Yeah. Okay. That's it right there. See, Aquarius is a vibration that asks us to be goal-oriented and asks us to do something with our lives. And Saturn is a contractor. Wherever Saturn goes, it restricts. Mm -hmm. So whereas people with normal, healthy Aquarian vibration do accomplish much in their life, we do find that people with Saturn in the 11th, like me, or Saturn in Aquarius, like you, would be a person that would have trouble getting off the ground because you just lack that force that can propel you. See, the opposite polarity to Aquarius, Lonnie, is Leo. Mm -hmm. And Leo has great will, whereas Aquarius can lack the will. And if Saturn's in Aquarius, then you can even further lack the will. Right. So sometimes having the desire or the will to get something done and off the ground just isn't there. My Saturn's in 11th house. Also. Uh -huh. Oh, my. You got a double whammy then, Lonnie. Great. Thanks a lot. Thank you for calling today. Bye-bye. Hi, Joe. Hi, Farley. How are you? Fine. I loved your topic today. I changed my question because there's something that's really been on my mind. When you have transiting Pluto in Scorpio in the fourth house, opposite your sun and other planets such as Mars or Venus or any of the other planets come along and hit that Pluto, what happens? Well, a rebirth or yeah, a it's like a double trigger is what it does. It's like you already are having a transit from a planet, then the moon or the sun will come along and bump it, and it actually forces action. Scorpio is already a sign vibration of major transition. Right. So part of your life's karma is transition with residence, home, security, the mother, and emotions. Now, with Pluto in that Scorpio house now, 
being set off and setting off a lot of items in your life, especially 10th house planets, which is career. And the sun. Yeah. Yeah, there's a focus on residence and career right now and lots of issues concerning whether you should move, maybe real estate, connected with that, where you're working, what city you want to work in. And See, it's like it's not an accident that our focus is placed in certain areas in our life. If you look at an astrology chart, then you say to yourself, wow, look, at I must have set myself up before birth to be focused on this junk right now. Oh, boy. And a lot of times, a lot of people say the planets don't compel you, they impel you. But I disagree because even before I see a transit coming, I go, I don't want to focus on details. But when Saturn and Uranus hit my 11th house, I'm loaded with them, you know. I don't want to focus with finances. And then I find a $100,000 a year overhead and I'm going, thanks, God. You know, you try to avoid it, but you can't because sometimes astrology is so useful because it helps us understand our life's destiny. Well, Pluto seems to intensify when there's another planet coming. And I just wondered, because it's in that fourth house, whether it would really make a transformation or is that the time to go? One thing you should understand is that when you do have a transit, it is a karma. Oh. And the best choice is the most humble. The most humble. The most humble and the most selfless is always the best choice because a Pluto transit can be selfish, obsessive, and reactionary or impulsive. Well, that's kind of hard for a triple Leo. (laughs) Okay, Farley, thank you. Thanks, Joe. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Okay, let's go over here. Is that Harriet on line five? Yes. This is the first time that I've heard about this show, and I'm glad I called. Farley, I am a Scorpio, and I want to know, in reference to your topic today of houses, how can you look at your chart and be able to decide upon a career? I started out as a pharmacist, and that is not really my life's work, I don't think, and I really don't know where to turn to, and I'm hoping you can give me some help based on your house topic of today. You focus on two things for career. First, you focus on what the ascendant is, and yours is Leo. That's Leo, yeah. And then you focus on what the midheaven is, and in equal house astrology, which is what I teach, yours is Taurus. Okay. Now, those are both fixed signs, Uh which means that you need to be in a career where you can either be in control, the boss, or in a management position, okay? That's true, yeah. Now, Leo is a creative sign, which means you need to have fun, and you need to be able to create something, and Taurus is a sign connected with values and or love. So, you know... A lot of Leo Risings get into management and business or marketing or show business, see, because they can create something that can be offered to the world where they can get satisfaction out of that. People make mistakes when they don't look at their ascendant and their midheaven. Like, I'm a Libra Rising Cancer midheaven, so I need to get into something Libra Cancer, which is counseling and love and emotions Uh or counseling of emotions, which is what I do. Uh So if you can put together the Leo Taurus vibration, then you could probably figure out a way of what to do with your life. Uh Uh-huh. Would the moon and Virgo have anything to do with that? Uh, so the moon and Virgo just lets us know that your emotions can be channeled through Virgo activities, which is a hard-working ethic, okay? Yeah. So we know a Virgo moon can almost do any job, but the Virgo is more of a server, not a worker. Okay. See, the Virgo side of you thinks it wants to work for other people, and the Leo Taurus side of you says no. Uh-huh, yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you, Farley. Okay, this is K Fox Redondo Beach, 93.5 FM. I'm Farley Malaris. This is where you can hear the Astrology Hour weekdays at 12 noon. So thank you for tuning in. Let's go to Ralph now on line four. Hey, Ralph. Hi. Hey. Listen, I usually work on Monday, so I don't have a chance to ask this question. I've been wanting to ask him for a while. Okay. It has to do with astrology. You can get the persons when they're born, you give them a chart. Now, as you go along through life, there's all these transits and everything. Yeah. Now, if it comes to a point when the person dies, does the chart go blank? (laughs) When the person dies, 
Does the chart go blank? Yeah, I had this vision of people like in the hospital that hooked up to EKGs. Yeah. And you know they have the blip on the screen. Yeah. And then they die and the, and the screen goes blank. Hmm. Does the chart on the person... Well, believe it or not, there's a chart for the dead body too. Okay? There's actually an astrological effect that occurs when the person dies that will have a lot to do designating with how he will be buried, whether he will be cremated, location of his grave people that would support the funeral, if any, eulogy that is delivered, condition of death. There's also another chart for that. The life chart, the natal chart, does go blank. Does it really? Yeah, it is finished, right. The energy does dissipate and does leave the body. So the cosmic influence from the birth chart is dead, and the death chart then takes over. All right, Farley. Bye. Thanks a lot. Okay, let's go to Diane on line six. Hi, Di. Hi. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? Excellent. I have a question concerning geography. When you have your natal chart done, depending on where you're born, does it change depending on where you move? A lot of people believe in what is called location astrology or astrocartography also. I personally don't understand it as much, and I don't go with it as much because I found that my natal chart from St. Louis bears just as much fruit and just as much importance and significance as any chart would even though many people would disagree with me. Some people like to get a relocation chart done. I don't do those charts because I just don't go along with them as much. Uh-huh. But some people do believe they work. Okay? Okay. I have one more question. Yeah? But I don't really understand what the midheaven... My midheaven is in Aries, and I never heard of the midheaven before. Well, the midheaven is the cusp of the 10th house, which is the career house, and also the house of karma. Uh-huh. So whatever sign is on the midheaven specifically reveals to us a success pattern that we must fulfill before death. Uh Meaning that Aries, which is a vibration of self, self self-love, self-esteem, childhood, appearance, a lot of this has to do with your career and your destiny. How you feel about yourself is directly correlated with success and career. How you look, how your state of health is, your self-love and your self-esteem is directly correlated with your success and career. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yeah, I'm feeling good today. Let's go to Kyle on line seven. Yo, Kyle. Hi. I'm the sailor from on the Cosmic Sea. How are you doing today? Good. How are you doing, guy? Great. My question really deals with my chart. I'm focusing on my karma and, and being a Virgo rising, I'm always analyzing, making sure I understand it. <laughs> so I've got two planets in my midheaven. Does that sound unusual? I've got the moon and Uranus in my 10th house. How close are they to the midheaven? Uh, it's in the 10th house. What degree is your midheaven? Can you tell? Well, it's got 20 GE. 20 Gemini, and where's the moon at? The moon's at 17 uh, CN. Okay, and where's Uranus at? Uranus, it's in the 10th house. Yeah, what degree? Um, 20 degrees. Right, they're kind of far from the midheaven, but because they're in the 10th house, they're still under midheaven influence. Uh-huh. Uh, Besides being Virgo rising, whenever you have planets in the 10th house, there's a tremendous success ethic. It's almost like succeed or die kind. I have that too. Yeah, I have Sun, Mercury, and Pluto in the 10th. And if I don't have a good career going, then I'm like freaked out. That's why everybody asks me about career because they know I'm into it too. Usually if you have moon Uranus, you have to feel good when you're working and you have to do something that's interesting, working with friends. Getting involved in a career that has a goal attached to it also is important. Something humanitarian also might be important. Saturn and Jupiter really has a lot to do with your karmic pattern too, doesn't it? Oh yeah, Saturn 
has a total amount to do with your karmic pattern because Saturn is the planet of karmic pattern. And that's in my 11th house. Okay, so your your major life debt in this lifetime is a debt concerning friends, lack of friends, goals, lack of goals. Okay? That's interesting. Thank you, Kyle. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Let's go to Kathy, line 8. Hi, Kath. Hi, Far. Yo. How, um... I was wondering, like, when a soul journeys through a different life, do you generally stay with one sun sign, or do you go through them in order, or do you jump around, or how does that work? Gosh, that question should win an Academy Award. (laughs) I haven't been asked one like that in a long time. This sounds like my guides are testing me now. Actually, it is so complex. A lot of times, the sun sign has to do with the energy that we must master for this lifetime. What's your sun sign? which means before you die, you must master all forms of communication and also master relationship with brothers and sisters. Okay, do you go through each degree of a sun sign in each life, or do you jump around in that? Well, it depends what evolution your soul has reached. Rumor has it the later degrees are more evolved from 15 to 29, not meaning that the lower degrees are less evolved, but it just depends on, on significance or magnification of current lesson. It's like if your past lives were void of proper communications, then you would be born a Gemini sun sign this lifetime to master that area. Uh I would tend to think that most of us will jump around to all 12 sun signs in order to master those 12 areas to help supplement future lifetimes. Okay, so then until you master one sign, you don't move to another. Well, no. Also, uh, your soul might have karma with a particular sign, and get obsessed with it. Uh So you could get locked into one sun sign for many lifetimes because you have an obsession. Like I have Saturn and Leo, which tends to tell me that because I'm a Leo, I'm probably obsessed with being a Leo. Okay. So I might have come back several times being Leo and still haven't mastered the humility of it all yet. I see. Thanks, Far. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And besides, she called me Far, which is cool. Now, just remember, this show is public-supported. It's also an excellent correspondence course for you to learn astrology and metaphysics. So please get yourself charted. Don't wait, because you never know when one of these astrology topics is going to come up. Let's go to Wallace on line one. Hi, Wallace. Yes. I got about a minute, Guy. What's your question? What does retrograde planets have to do with your aspect? Well, the retrograde planets in your chart and retrograde planets that are moving are moving with less force. It is said that retrograde planets are like a piston drawing back. And a direct motion planet is more like the piston going forward. So retrograde planets in the natal chart or retrograde planets transiting will be affecting you with more inhibition and less power. They still will be affecting your life, but you'll feel the transit in the natal aspect much stronger when the planet's in direct motion. Okay? Okay. Thank you. You've been listening to Astrological Metaphysical Radio, the phenomenon of the 80s, on KFOX Redondo Beach 93.5 FM, your talk alternative. Hear weekdays from 12 noon to 1 o'clock, and Tuesday's special expanded edition from 12 noon to 2 o'clock. I love you all. Life's too short to take personal. Thanks for joining us on another excellent edition of the Astrology Hour. We'll see you real soon, weekdays on KFOX at 12 noon. Bye, everybody.